Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comics uh, Fondle podcast. My name is Andrew. My blog is comicsfondle.com. And the other half of this podcast is me, Verd, and I'm the happy proprietor of the Comics Gallery of Wilmette, Illinois. And we're back again here uh, with a bit of a sketchy, what, schedule, you know, we're trying. uh, It's been a couple of months, I think, at this point, darn it. They're just waiting for something here, you know. Luckily, publishing is mild, you know, a little bit, so. Haven't had to, hadn't had to, like, beat us over the head with the releases or anything like that. But uh, anyway, it's picking up a little bit. We'll see what happens. Uh, Anyway. First rant out of the way. We'll try to make this quick. Poor Andrew's ears bleed every time I do this, and I have to really have sympathy for him. But, uh, you know, we're just we're praying to God over here that one of these days these big wigs at Marvel and DC figure out how to fucking publish comic books again. They just put out so much stuff that is just unreadable, uh, visually ugly, uh, lined with uh, sales gimmicks and performance targets and all sorts of ways to make you buy comic books, including retailers. We're also subject to this, not just you, uh, that you can seek a stick at instead of good stories and uh, art that tells a story. So, uh, you know what? Some of us are going to be running out of time here soon, kids. So uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. They better come up with something soon because all the retail seminars and all the crappy videos and everything I've seen so far hasn't amounted to a hill of beans. So uh, get over to that comic shop and, you know, pick up your goddamn file already. Jesus. Anyway, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, First segment, our Emperor's Clothes segment. What what is this? Yeah, that's from Jim Jim Caldwell. That was his thing. Does the Emperor have new clothes? And uh, I said, well, we'll use that. I said, that'd be pretty cool. So I figured we can examine some people lately that have been uh, in the news We'll talk about their emperor's clothes a little bit and see how they hang, as it were, you know. Jeff Lemire getting a lot of work lately, huh? Jeff this guy Lemire. working overtime. Yeah, uh, I think he's got like five kids or something over there, for Christ's sake. You know, he wants to work. Uh, yeah, wow, this is a lot of Jeff Lemire. And he's at every company except Marvel right now, right? Or is he at Marvel 2 somewhere? You know, he might be. He, he either just finished something up or he's about to do something again. Isn't he doing Fantastic Four, maybe? Uh, Anyway. Uh, He's been poking along. All right. So, uh, the Terrifics. Let's get... uh... Let's talk about Jeff Lemire's clothes. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, unfortunately, I read Terrifics 3 before before we recorded today. Otherwise, I might have something else to say. But, uh, yeah, I'm done with the Terrifics. (laughs) Yeah, issue two is a bit of a letdown to the point where we're, like, spinning our wheels. Ooh. Again, you know, did we you don't really read, have a concept. What's that? Did you not read issue three? No, I have not had the opportunity Ooh. yet. Yeah, yeah. You don't even good. know. I know. I, I can guess. I don't know. But either way, you could just kind of tell that there wasn't much meat on this particular carcass from day one. And, it, you know, art pulled it together, but then we're getting less on art and the stories is less. And I'm like, okay, well, this joins the other new age of heroes comics. That whole line based on Marvel characters, right? Ugh. Yeah, this is uh, Joe Bennett does the art on three. Joe Bennett oh, and Ivan Rees. Uh, and there are three inkers, all of whom 
look just a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is not a pleasant read at all. And I'm That's just too bad. You know, it was like the first one I was like You know well, fine, it's Jeff Lemire doing some stupid superhero thing at DC. I can read this, like Ivan Rees art, but ooh, downhill yeah, it went. A, yeah, yeah. Not, not not a lot of content, unfortunately. No character development, you know. All the necessary things to keep people like you and I around. <laughs> anyway, Terrifics gets a pass, right? Pass. Pass is pass, in. Pass. We pass on it. Not passes in, it gets a pass. Right. Pass in, it got 62% or whatever's a pass. Oh, um, That's high. <laughs> That's high. So, uh... So, uh, we're going to rearrange this for him. We're going to do Dark, Dr. Star, Gideon Falls, then Black Hammer. Uh, okay. Because, you know. So anyway, Dr. Star, a Black Hammer series. Um, remember last year when we loved the Black Hammer-related uh, series? Yeah, last uh, one was pretty damn good. Yeah, that was good. Dr. Star's not good. No, Dr. Star's not good. It's kind of derivative Tosh and... Not enough meat on the bones. Again, it's almost like here's a Spartan script. Go give me some beautiful visuals of what I'm talking about, and that's a comic book. And I'm like, no, it's not a comic book. It really isn't. It's just like an imitation comic book, you know. And unless he really pulls something out of his ass for issue three, it's going to be hard-pressed to want to come back for issue four, which, my God, if you can't hold this for four issues, man, that's pretty Mm -hmm. rough, you know. And it's only four issues. Like, that that is not a good thing. No, no, it was very lacking and, like I say, very derivative and for reasons like, you know, like, I don't know, is he, like, think everybody's too young to remember all this stuff? Maybe they are, I don't know, you know, but there's nothing new with Dr. Star. Just keep moving along here, kids, you know what I'm saying? And Gideon Falls. Okay, so Gideon Falls. Yeah, a lot of my customers like one, and I didn't know why. Can you tell me? Uh... Because it was a good, it was an interesting setup, at least, you know, the uh, priest and the the disgraced priest going and getting involved in a mystery and. Not just a mystery, but a really painful death, too. Painful death, you know, kind of like a supernatural mystery, too, you know, and then there was. The stuff I can't remember the first one what the guy in the city was doing in that one because the second one overshadows it with just mundane badness. Uh, mundane badness. Can you elaborate? It's not, well, it's not even exciting badness, right? Like yeah. this is not extraordinary badness. It's you know kind of boring badness, and it's bad. It's bad. Uh, it's unfortunate because I was hesitant to start Black Hammer because, you know, I'd been burned by Jeff Lemire too many times. You convinced me to get on Black Hammer. Black Hammer I know. Black Don't Hammer Prime is awesome. Yeah. Uh, first spinoff is awesome. Right. We think we're just fine. But then, you know, it's not actually that Jeff Lemire developed as a writer. It's just that he he struck uh, he struck he struck gold, and yeah. then he, he he didn't make gold. Um, so yeah, and then Gideon Falls Two is just 
You got to tell me. I missed that one. I didn't oh, like yeah, the first did. one. Yeah, the it's too quick of a read. It's too. Uh, it's annoying. I mean, just well. How do we sum up about the emperor's clothes here? Is he is he overworked or what's well, going? Well, I don't know because Black Hammer: The Return, uh, Black Hammer Prime, now called Black Hammer: Age of Doom, is it? Yep. Now, is that four or six? Do we know? Don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good yeah. return. To it leaned right into from the other one. It looks yeah. like it's not even change of pace. So I mean, it's all right. Like it'd be nice if it were outstanding, given that you know, making us doctor, wait. Doc, making us wait. In addition to making us wait, um. Dr. Star disappointed. It would have been nice not to be disappointed, but you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it does it does bury the what do you call that? Bury the blame for that one failed miniseries along there, you know. <sighs> so we'll but see. We do, we do like our Lemire, but you know, take Lemire with a uh a, a pair of pair of pills or something because, you know, he's doesn't always not a developed writer at all. Yeah, and it's he just had I mean what was it? He did that one sci-fi book I really liked for a bit at Vertigo a few years ago. He does Defender, which is okay. Yeah, that one. The, oh, yeah, that one that's uh, AI. The, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. AI on Dustin Nyanart. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just he's never been... Black Hammer is not leading into a new age of Lemire. No, it really isn't. No, no. In fact, Lemire isn't leading into a little new age of Lemire either. So anyway, moving on, we're gonna we're gonna try out the Emperor's clothes with Shelley Bond now, who's the editor of the Black Black Crown line of books. Yeah, out of IDW, and uh, her uh, her three initial titles have uh, stirred up the pot a bit, if not completely successful, anyway. It is something when you've got to say that Assassinistas is the least successful book they've had. These other yeah. books are pretty damn good. Um, Kid Labot, and my one issue is is that it's not clear enough that they're limited series. Because yeah. like you take Kid Lobotomy, and issue five, I remember is just when you're like, "Oh crap, is Peter Milligan gonna fuck this up?" Because Peter Milligan fucks stuff up. Is he going to yeah, fuck Because he up? was dangerous in uh, issue he four was there for a while. close to fucking it up, right? I was like, oh, no, we're not going to Peter Milligan land again. Oh, yeah. But then we get to yeah. the end, and it's like it's written for the trade. And you're like, right. okay, cool. Uh, it would have been nice to have that idea of it. Um, well, don't you think that's the ideal way to publish nowadays is to do like five or six issues of some story that – you can tell it about that length and then do the trade and give it a break and see what you want to come back later. You I know? totally do. I just wish that it were clear up front that this wasn't an ongoing. Well, that would be the way to cement our publishing plan here in America. Like they say, oh, you should imitate the European album format. And I think perhaps we should to some degree. And uh, like, but they have the, the, the five issues and then it comes out as an album, you know, because they, they got to make money to pay the gang and hopefully mm-hmm. make a little money on the side and then wham, the book. So, yeah. Uh, so, Kid that Lobotomy. Makes good yeah. book. Um, the one that I'm really enjoying is Punk's Not Dead. 
Yeah, Punk's Not Dead is the freshest. There's no doubt about that one, yeah. That is a that is a good book. Uh, surprising, um, nice, painty art. It's so funny how painted art, now that digital painting is more of a thing. Like, remember digitally painted art about 10 years ago? <laughs> we, didn't read, we didn't read any of that shit. You no, know, it was like, pretty ugly, yeah. You know, and it's just like, it's all design work. It all looks like uh, production art for, you know, movie ideas. They finally got it. You know, who's the artist on this Punk's Not Dead here? This uh, Barnett. He's got it. You know, he's got a good... Martin Barnett. Is it really on issue three? Are you sure? Have I read issue three? Shit. I don't know. I think we're at three. Aren't we at the one the one after their trip together when they discover they have a superpower? The book itself is a lot of fun though, you're right. Yeah, I, don't I mean know it's just a, a yeah. yeah. It's a hoot to read and you, it moves fast and uh it's right. about this young teenage failure when he's like a sophomore in high school or something and he's like haunted by the ghost of Sid Vicious or who a ghost who thinks he's Sid Vicious anyway. I haven't read issue three, Burden. Not yet? Okay. Uh, are you sure it's out? Are you? I'm, I'm not sure. Because it looks like it comes out the last week of the month. It could come. Yeah, well, nothing mm-hmm. this week. Let's see, Punk's not dead. Uh, Punk's not dead. Here, I got a three. Here, here's Ew. a three. <clears throat> Wasn't on the list, huh? No. Oops. No. Vernon yeah. forgot anyway, to tell me to read keep... it, anybody. Anyway, let's right. move on to Assassinistas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you there. But yeah, uh, these three books just have like an energy of their own. Like uh, they paired up with a good artist, and the uh, writer has enough ideas to keep the go plot going for five or six issues. And the books themselves uh, have this air of Britishness and completeness, completeness, even with the ads, the way the ads fit in uh-huh. the back. You know what I mean? They don't like just let IDW throw ads back there like they do in the back end of Highest House, which makes that book. Ugly as shit on the tail end of the book. It's really sad. At least here you got ads that remind you of other books in the line and all that kind of stuff. They're like a punk punk aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, and that probably be nice traits. Definitely something to look at. So we give Shelly uh, Shelley, uh, Bond here a uh, Emperor's Clothes rating. She, she has clothes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, her books are there and ready to go. Uh... Okay, so I guess we're ready to start on our... The marathon, man. Our marathon. All right. Hey, we've got Mr. Miracle here, but I did not get to read it before it sold out. Did you? I didn't. I stopped reading it after one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, damn thing sold out over there. But, uh, you know, up seven so far. So far, so good anyway. You know, it wasn't last issue had the birth of... uh, Was it... Who's the new kid? The kid. Jacob? I don't know. First, First new guy born on Earth. So that was pretty cool. That was a good issue. And now we're waiting for eight, and I didn't get a chance to read it yet because it sold out so damn fast. Uh. <laughs> anyway, we were leading off with the DC. Well, sorry, DC. Uh, no, take a deeper position next month on your book. <laughs> uh, anyway. But, yeah. Moving, go moving ahead. Move on. Batman White Knight 7. It's almost over after a couple rocky issues, uh, five and six, and maybe some Stretched of four. Out. Yeah, stretched. This definitely could have run the original six issues. Um, it's all right. You know, it's pretty good. It it 
it's a lot less ambitious than uh, we. It, it's it, it pretended to be ambitious. It's not actually For a bit right. Yeah, uh, which is fine. You know, it's still cool. You've got Sean Murphy doing Batman. Uh, what's interesting about this one is is you got a lot of visual references to old Batman. Uh, I don't want to say memorabilia, but you know, you got the. Batmobiles from the movies. You got the Batmobile from the TV show in this. Everybody's got a Batmobile at one point. That's true. They're all driving Batmobiles. So a lot more homage from Murphy than there's been the last few issues, too. I mean, and, you know, his his sensationalism, not great. No payoff. But whatever. You know, let's see. Yeah, we'll see. We got I one more. To- I think it's going to be fine, but it's not like we're going to be sitting around talking about this in twenty years. Like it's no, year it's one nice or to watch something. Raw. Yeah, and you know what? I guess he's talking about doing more in his White Knight universe. You know, that's fine. The Murphy fine. verse. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll sell Batman. Let's see. It's another rant. Like, oh, just just publish Batman in fucking right. comics. Fuck the rest Whatever. of them. You know, yeah, no one wants to read anything but Batman, so just publish just Batman. Fucking put that out. Yeah. Um, Speaking of put out. Van Veronica, which you didn't read, but you know, I just well, I, I was I like, why the fuck not? Like, I didn't read it. I I paged through it, so I think that's pretty close to qualification for reading, right? Oh, for this one, it was man. This book yeah. is, uh, you know what? What was it? Reads too fast. Whatever. It's just it's it's Archie starting to hit the bottom of the barrel on their whore line, like going yeah. for it. Um, they've already done it on their regular line with Adam Hughes. So why not do it with Greg Smallwood now on the whore line? But you know, whatever I, 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 if it were like 99 cents an issue, it might be worth it. If you, or if you really like Greg Smallwood. Yeah. I mean, he's fine. I mean, he's but fine. you're right. I think we had like different timings. What was it? Uh, my customer Matt says, "You know, it took me like all of five minutes to read that." You know, yeah, and, like, and I think I was like four, but I lied; it was really three. I said I flipped through it, and I think I took two and a half, you know, or whatever it was. It's like, okay, it really isn't that deep, and it's all pretty, but it's not, you know, it's Greg Smallwood art, so that it's fine, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's pretty. Well, it's not pretty enough to be worth looking at. I guess would no, be no. it ain't yeah. Sean Murphy. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Greg Smallwood probably draws prettier girls. Sean That's Murphy true. Them, yeah. He draws them real manic, you know, like they're crazy women. Like, but okay. he, Greg Smallwood doesn't draw vehicles so pretty. That's, That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. He's got the architecture and the – like. You, you, what was it? Uh, shit, man. Like I could, could draw a bathroom and it would look gorgeous, you know. Yeah. All right. Uh, so well, Anyway, Vampirotica, pass. Pass. Uh, so – Vern left this book off the list. I don't know how the fuck he forgot about it. Since yeah, because I just couldn't bring myself to finish it off. I, did you not read it? I didn't read the last. Well, yeah, uh, I think I did. I think I did read the last one. Uh, well, you know, it was, it was like one of those books that they just stretched this like joke out for five issues and just let us hang at the end and said, "Fuck you for buying this, you fool." Pretty you much, like oh. the the end of the. Uh... We'll talk about it some more in a bit, but Hanna-Barbera has gone from being DC's most interesting imprint to just being the one where it's just like, what, you actually thought this would be a good fucking idea to read this comic? What are you, stupid? Like, rough and ready, man. Howie Jakin. 
Like, yeah, you're making us pay for this? You uh, should put on the front cover, you should sneak read this. Don't buy it. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad finish to a bad... I mean, it never saves itself. It It's... Well, it, it should never have been greenlit to begin with. There's it, not enough content. I think to they've the, gone through three editors on this book, too. Really? Oh. Like... Yeah, I so think, what does that editor mean? You know, does that editor have any meaning when there's three of them on a five issue miniseries or something? It, I think it's probably they needed them to keep Owie working because, like, he clearly doesn't give a shit about this. Like, I just didn't get it after a while. I was like, really? I mean, because this this is like one of those books that really has no business of existing in some ways, you know. And all it would take was just a tiny bit of editing to make this palatable i guess maybe it's hard yeah. to say like we thought that it was going to be really cool because of the uh what's the name of the artist mac ray yeah uh, it's very much looks like cell animation but howie chaken doesn't do anything with it i mean no, it's just no. yeah yeah well we'll take a why the i, I like you were supposed to finish it i wasn't supposed to suffer through that alone you know <laughs> Yeah, I know. Sometimes you're like, man, I, I can't read this. I really can't, man. I'd rather read something good. Uh, anyway, Infinity, speaking of something good. Speaking man. of something good, Infinity 8, um, Louis Trondheim writing with Zepp and somebody, uh, Dominique Bertal on the art. Bertal, uh, Bertal, yeah. yeah our French we'll mangle all those French names, yep. you guarantee it. Zepp. We got Zepp down, though. Zepp is um, good. So, yeah, it's... Uh, Sci-fi? Yeah, this is science fiction. It had a structure where we wanted to tell eight stories of three issues per story. That's me. And uh, so the first two of the first mini-arc are just sensational because it's got this crack secret agent who's running from her life from these uh, cannibalistic... Also, what do you call it? They like to eat dead flesh as well. Yeah, aliens. You know, they're taking over the whole thing. They're, this whole ship that they're using can go back and forth in the time-space continuity or whatever it is, and it's towing five planets behind it. And, I mean, Trondheim just pulls out all the stops here for this mega story. And then, oh, by the way, uh, she wants to get pregnant and give birth and take time off to have a child and stuff. Yeah. You know? Lots of little subplots. All beautifully drawn by Bertail and colored by Zepp. I hope we got that right. But no. Uh, no, no, Zepp draws. Zepp writes. Zepp writes. What is, well, Trondheim's got right, too. Trondheim and Zepp are right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So Bertail does all the art. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful art, art in this one, too. Yeah. It is just so, so good. You, you really, like, do yourself your favor and hunt that one down, because the first two issues are fantastic, and I have no doubt whatsoever the third one is going to just bring it to I an know. end. The second one, um, it's a very different, the first two uh, the first one is funny. It's um, kind of quirky. It's all set up. Second one is all action. And it's like the best all action comic ever, basically. Because it's yeah. fucking terrifying. So right. the secret or the space agent is being hunted by this cannibalistic alien in space. And she can't get any help. And she's only got a gun. And she only has a gun for a little bit. And so it's just this. And, and, you know, meanwhile, yes, the ship can jump back in time. But 
there are all sorts of rules for that. Like she's got to be on board. Like they can't be destroyed and they're under attack and she can't help them and all this stuff. And it's just, <laughs> it's just so much. And it just, it works out beautifully uh, because the art just is, is kind of tranquil even when it's uh, horrific. Right. And kinetic as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's got a lot of action and movement and, uh, all everybody who works on this book is a high grade professional, and the color is great. And uh, God, I just can't wait to see how this finishes. I'm just waiting. You know, it's like one of those books you can't wait for the finish yeah. anyway. Uh, Infinity Eight, made by a group called Lion Forge. I Lion think that's the first Forge. thing we've ever cared about. Yeah. Mm. Well, good luck getting that on the reorders, then, kids. I love y'all. And let's see. Next on the list, that one's for you. Uh, Dry County. Dry County. Rich Tomaso. Uh, who did Spy Seal, which is wonderful. Uh, Dry County's not wonderful. Dry County's all right. Um, it's really boring true crime, I guess. Not true crime, but realistic crime. But not really all that realistic. Um, the art style's very different. Nobody ordered this, did they? Or... Well, we had a few. Did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Tommaso's pretty. Yeah, it's um, it's it's trying really hard to be quirky, but it doesn't have enough. Um, it doesn't have enough original quirk to it. I guess it doesn't really. Uh, it's it's a. For me, Tommaso is always like two thirds there. Not quite three thirds, but always two yeah, thirds there. It's uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far. It, it's 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 well executed How about visually. Yeah, <laughs> two fifths. It's well executed visually. It's just not. It's, Interesting it's, in and of itself. No, okay. no, and I mean, like, it's supposed to be a mystery, and it's just like I don't care. Yeah, like, I mean, he's got little bursts in his work. And you're kind of like, man, you know, you really pulled it all together with Spicy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the other things are just kind of okay. So I'll keep up a little bit, but you got to give me something here that I got, you know. Yeah. Well, well thank God there's still books like Highest House. Highest House. Uh, a return to Peter Gross and uh, Mike Carey working at IDW together. Yep. With creator-owned at IDW. They did the unwritten, and did they get to work on Lucifer together? I, I can't believe remember. they did. And yeah. didn't they try launching something else in between unwritten and Lucifer? Was Peter Gross on that uh, Japanese one that failed that Carrie tried to get going on? Remember that? Yeah, that was part of the Vertigo line. Yeah, but that that I don't know if I don't think he wrote that though. Carrie, did Carrie wrote, wrote that. It. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah, I don't know if Gross drew it. He might have. We're we're yeah, really well over. researched right now, everybody. Sorry about this. Here, let's uh, let's see. But anyway, so highest house is. Did we? We haven't talked about number one really, have we? Yeah, I think we did. We mentioned yeah. one. So uh, yeah, so it's it's continuing on. Yeah, no, Peter Gross did unwritten, and he did Lucifer. Yeah. Um, yeah, not the other one. Oh, we did Chosen, too. Um, uh, uh, Mark Miller. 
Uh, so yeah, Highest House two and three. Uh, both issues have some surprises in it. Uh, some really nice developments. The third one, you feel like you're reading that fucking like. I got done reading that and I was like, oh wow, I gotta like. It's been an hour. I gotta go figure out what you know. I've been reading this comic for too long, and it's like, nope. It's a thirty. It's a regular size comic, and it's yeah, just it's just big. Packed. It's yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just packed with content, and it's a oversized and gross. Has some great design work with how he uh, does the page composition with the panels. It's just a good book. It's such a good book. These guys do like such convincing mythology. Like you get sucked mm. right into it, and now the characters are believable, and the atmosphere is there, and you're like, wow, they just they're like seamless in the depiction of a whole world, and they want you to talk about it and stuff, and. Uh, what is the kid's name? Moth. Lint? Moth. Moth. I knew it was something like that, yeah. yeah. And uh, his trials and tribulations after he gets sold into slavery to this household. And he also becomes, what, indentured to this presence there at the household? I don't know. Yeah. Something it's, like um, that. Yeah. He, yeah, it's... The first issue's got the... Um, the backstory on sort of you give your kid up for you basically everybody just sells their kid off and what's disturbing about that is just historically I'm listening to this thing actually where it is yeah people just sold their kids off you know to get out of debt and shit like that uh so of course that was in ancient Sumatria but anyway so it's just yeah there's magic but not exactly. And you don't know what that means because like, so the kid in the second issue or at the end of the first issue gets a voice in his head. Second issue is about figuring out what that voice is. Third issue is about what that voice is going to do for the kid. And the voice is an active, is a very active character. Um, so there's just a lot going on with the kid, the various characters. The third one's most impressive because it introduces characters not on the first page who are completely familiar by the last page, like new characters. It's able to bring them in, establish them, get them their own story arcs, all in the span of, whatever, 28 pages. Just, I wonder if Carrie had been working on this for a while, like, making sure it was right. Yes. Yes, he's been working on it for a while, I think you're right, because it's just wonderfully painted out, and it's all done in its own time, and Peter Gross, uh, he, he allows his panels to depict things the way exactly how they're supposed to look, and uh, it's a real, I don't know, it's just a really great ride. If you haven't seen it, you really got to check out an issue of this stuff. Yeah, so now what have we got? Okay. You ready to vinegar go teeth. on? Vinegar teeth. Vinegar teeth. Okay. You, you know, vinegar four? teeth. Yes. It's it's one of those, like, artistic self-expressions that just kind of, like, explodes into, as a life force of its own that you just can't, like, pin down. Like, what was that one Eric Paul did a few years back? Big Man Plans? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that where they've got these guys got something that's an itch, a creative itch that they got to scratch. And I'd have to say Vinegar Teeth, I think, falls under that just for its sheer 
I don't know, uh, a sense of surreal grossness to it. Like it takes you out of the action a lot just to get gross. And But you're not so grossed out that you're going to barf. But the the other characters do quite yeah. a bit. You know? it's, it's very weird how – so the third issue introduces like a Chthulhu-type thing going on. Fourth issue deals with it. Fourth issue is a bit of a letdown. Whatever. But, I mean, it's still gorgeous. You know, was it Troy Nixie? Is that the artist? Yeah. Troy Nixie just just pulls out, like, Academy Award-winning artwork here. Uh, He's truly a man possessed when you're looking at the details of Vinegar Teeth from page to page. I mean, he doesn't skimp on a detail or anything. And it'll bear repeated readings just to look at some Uh, of the texture of it. You know what I mean? But in four issues, it tells like this big, I don't know, this could be a movie, couldn't it? A surreal oh, movie, yeah. I guess. You know? I guess, like if you wanted to get sick. It could be a, it should be the new Pixar movie. Um, yeah, that, yeah, along those lines, that would work. I think you're right. Yeah, so um, I think if it had run three, I think they should have tried to get it into three. It could have happened. Yeah. But you know how it is with Hollywood. They want to go for two hours. Vinegar Teeth is a lot of fun, though, but it yeah. takes a life of its own. It's a very gross book. It's about a cop. It's about an otherworldly world presence who comes to Earth and gets assigned as a partner to this cop. And they're totally destructive. It was destructive and disgusting adventures. Yeah. And uh, the takeover of the world, of course. It's all about the takeover of the world. But Vinegar Teeth, man, that was... Uh, that was a ride. Let's put it yeah, that way. I, definitely. I, not, yeah, we came out of nowhere too. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it just like goes to self destruction mode by issue four, but then just calms down and everybody just starts singing. You know. Let's <sighs> uh, see, Spider King. I missed three. It was shorted at my store. I'm waiting for replacements. But you said, how does three? Does it keep up the momentum so far? Yeah, three's the one that has like. All right, so Spider King, we haven't gotten to talk about it yet. Um, it's aliens versus Vikings again. Uh, yeah. The difference is that the art is. Um, I don't really want Great. to say it's expressive Express- in a yeah. cartoony. Like the character designs are not realistic at all. Everybody's got a Muppet nose, like. It has a real visual sensibility about it. And three has kind of the best writing because Spider King is the bad guy who possesses this other king who's not the real king. The real king is this idiot Viking whose father got killed when the kid when he was a kid and he was too young to like learn how to fight or learn how to lead the um, clan. Third issue's got the uh, princess in it, though. And so there's this princess who's going to save the day for her father, who's too stubborn to listen. Uh, She kind of just brings it all together. Like, King Doofus is a lot more amusing when she's around than when he is by himself, just being an idiot. You know, like, because they're childhood friends. There doesn't seem to be any romance, but she's, you know, she likes him as a person. And is not, you know, sick of him like I get 
very quickly because he's an idiot. Like, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's like the thing is. There's death. You know, there's death because he's there's an idiot. There's a lot of death. Yeah. yeah it, he's it's not serious good at his death, job, yeah. you know. Uh, but the third one, now, this is a reprint of a Kickstarter or something. Really? Okay. And I'm not sure who's doing it. Is it IDW? I believe it's IDW, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if the original was in black and white, but I think I'd rather read it in black and white. Josh Vima and Simone de Aramias. Aramines? Something to that effect. You know, I got the first two, and it was a little bit of work visually to keep up with. Because it's it's almost like an expressionistic, almost like decorative type style. Yeah, so things get mixed up. I'm wondering if it. I think it was originally black and white. I think they colored it. I think his art would work better in black and white, especially after three, because it gets so confusing. Um, He's got a lot of blacks, and they use. So it's a night scene, and I, I think it's our like it's a stealth night scene. So the uh, the colorist uses like this dark blue to show the night, and it turn it, it makes it just so hard to concentrate, like to want to look at the panel, even to see what the action is. Like right, it's you're just, deciphering things a yeah, little bit. Yeah, so. it's too much. And I'm just like, black and white, I feel like this would move right. Like, I it's feel ambitious, like... but yeah, you're right. It needed uh, it needed a little stronger hit on the color. Yeah. We'll see how it It should be four and done, I'm thinking. So hopefully uh, that will Five, look. I think it's five. Five and done? done. Okay. Yeah. Right, we'll see what happens. And you anyway, the next, one, the next one's all yours. Yeah, because you didn't get... Only one freaking person, man. Plus one, yeah. Bless Craig. He's a wonderful guy. Resident Alien Lost in New York. Resident Alien Returns, another four-issue series. I think they're what? They're doing these once a year now, basically. Yeah, whatever they feel like it. Something to do on the weekends. Uh, It is... Please tell me you wrote down their names since I'm brain farting all over the place. You didn't, you bum. It's, uh... Oops. Oops. Uh, Steve Parkhouse. Steve Parkhouse and Hogan. Which Hogan? Peter Hogan. Peter Hogan, who yeah. I love, who I've always loved and Vern didn't love until Resident Alien. Anyway, so it's just this gentle sort of, I think murder she wrote, but with an alien basically. He's in this like Pacific Northwest town. Not yet. He's going soon. Um, and he's, you know... He looks like an alien, but he's got mental powers to convince everybody he doesn't look like an alien, but the men in black are after him. That started in, like, the first series four years ago. They still haven't found him, you know? They're still (laughs) on the run, even though they've got leads and things. And so it's just this sort of, you know, he's... he's It'd be great television. It'd be great television. Uh, He's Or it'd be great, like, uh, British miniseries, or... You know, like they could do long movies like the British do where they do the long episodes, like a 90 minute episode versus. Yeah, yeah, that would work. Yeah. Yeah. And you could do like two or three of those and just do the stories. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, it's just really nice. Like Steve Parkhouse doing this like 
affable art when you if you've ever seen Steve Parkhouse do his dark shit, this is just nothing like that. It's 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 hard to even think of him not being sort of this genial, pleasant guy. It's just, a, and so you know, and it, it basically is a slow burn every uh, series. <clears throat> first issue uh he doesn't get to new york but he's planning on going and then he's got he wants to go on a vacation and then how's he gonna go to new york he's gonna go to new york because he's watching a video from 1995 or something or 1985 about a street artist who he thinks is an alien too because the guy's art is like alien uh number Alien typography saying, like, help me or something. So he's oh, going lure. to New York to investigate. It'll be great. <clears throat> It'll be great. Right. And and we should point out that most people don't see him as an alien. Kids right. do. Kids Indian can. shamans do. Probably a couple others we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Uh, That's a good book. I like yeah. that. I wish I'd seen that one. Well, evolution. Shall we jump into horror evolution? Yeah, let's jump into. It, it would have been nice to talk about this right after Spider King because uh, the book where we wish it were in black and white. Um, oh, that's right. We did initially like that. Yeah. So five. Was, now, when did you jump off? Did you jump off? After uh, no, I, I followed through five and six. All right. So five. I'm all. I was like. It finally, it, like everything is working. This is finally going exactly how it should. Right. And now after six, I'm like, oh, fuck this book. I don't care. <laughs> well, it, it, what do you call that? The doctor and nurse thing was, was rather abrupt. Like they give yeah. you like some hope at five and then they pull the rug out from you in six. And then, then like, I don't know. I, I'm still involved with like the soap opera aspects that are relationship to the horror. But – Again, I don't want to keep buying issues to get like half hour episodes of stuff either. Yeah, I mean it's like so the book has got four writers, but it's only got three storylines. And one artist. And one artist. Artist does a great job bringing it all together. Though I will say, if everything is just it's like the thing from John Carpenter's movie took over, they just should have fucking licensed it. Like, that's what it looks like. Everything looks yeah. like the thing. They just should have licensed it. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Um, in six, you know, we're six issues in and they're just treading water on moving these stories forward. You know, we got real movement in five. And then in six, it's just like, oh, well, hang on. Let's, you know, have a cliffhanger at the end of our scene together where we don't actually resolve anything. We're just planning on resolving it in the future. Well, they all had like something, a surprise too. Each story had like a little surprise. Yeah, a little surprise, a very little one with the nun and the former priest who were like, that's like kind of the best storyline too. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, they find out, oh, no, people are helping the infected or something. And it's just like, whoop-de-doo. Like, you could have done that on the first page of this and done part of that and, and told us about that as opposed to using it as the cliffhanger after you blow through three or four pretty, pretty pages, but not with much content. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. People don't want to give you enough content for your three or four dollars. 
and you get really frustrated after you've read like you'll have an issue or two that's good and it takes the plot and it, but then you're like okay i can see what this is like a mechanical add-on for you to say okay well here's the temporary end but stay tuned for the next series and that's very annoying uh, i don't think it's ending is it there's another one coming right oh i'm sure there's at least another one maybe two or three i don't know what do you think at the rate they're going it might be four or five i don't know yeah i mean yeah. if it even it, yeah so anyway uh so, so, go ahead. Nothing. I was just going to move on to the other one that you wouldn't touch with the 20-foot pole. Nah, I would touch Kong with a 50-foot pole. Sorry. Who wrote it? Who wrote it, though? Ryan Ferrer, man. Yeah, you know, there was a time I would have picked up a Ryan Ferrer book. That's true. That is true. So, yeah, I have been subjecting myself to Kong on the Planet of the Apes from Boom. Uh, Ryan Ferrer writes it. It is drawn by Carlo or I think it's just Carlo Magna, who is a house artist, house artist at boom. He's their high profile house artist. Um, yeah. cause he's very detailed. Um, so, so what makes it good that I'd want to read it? You wouldn't fucking want to read it. Oh, issue six is like, the cute thing about the book was, so it, it's not King Kong. The property that they're able to adapt is their Kong of Skull Island, which is somehow separate from the King Kong property proper. So, like, it's not King Kong from whatever the fucking movie was last year, whatever. It's this different King Kong. There's a whole mythology for Skull Island, whatever. It's the last of the Kongs, whatever. It's it's all right. Like, four, five is kind of, seems like it's going to go someplace in six. Because Ferrer's been doing a lot of kind of fun things with the Planet of the Apes continuity. Like, it really is a sequel to the first movie. It... it I don't really want to spoil anything, but <laughs> no, I mean like, you know, people like the planet of the apes movies. I, I don't, um, but I will say it is not a sequel to the first movie. It is a bridge between the first movie and the second movie. And there's a certain futility in being a bridge between the first movie and the second movie. And if you're a Planet of the Apes fan, I'm sure you know what I mean about that, whatever. And the book completely falls apart on the sixth issue. It is, I'm pissed off that I read it, you know, like, I'm glad that, you know, Paul Pope drew a fucking Kong for boom, but I don't think that was on this book. Like, and what's frustrating about it is, is Ferrer's got like good characterizations throughout the series. He's got interesting uh, character development. He's got interesting plot twists, and all of it's for shit. Like it all goes to shit, and it's all for shit. Um, it's too bad. It's unfortunate because the concept actually he proves the concept could work. Like, sure. Kong, Planet of the Apes, Apes find King Kong. It's whatever. It's that, a natural. That, it's a natural, whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, 
Redneck. Let's talk about something that, that Redneck. went well. Redneck. There's a book to get excited yeah, about. Yeah, something that went well. Donny Cates coming through yet again. Yet again. The, the exact problem he always has, which is, you know, by the end of the arc, you're like, huh, this is kind of going on a little long. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's a persecution of a vampire uh, family across Texas, it looks like so far. Yeah, and then you get to the last issue of the arc, and it's great. And you're like, oh, well, when the hell does the next one come out? Then? Yeah, like, yeah. Give me, right, give me right. the next one. He's the master of the cliffhanger, no mm -hmm. doubt about it. And he's He's got this Lysandro, Lysandro, or Lysandro Esteren drawing it. And this guy is a great cartoonist who can do horror and uh, a very great expressionistic artist who would give Eduardo Rizzo a, a run for his money on a good day, I think. And we've enjoyed, what, 12 issues of Redneck so far, issues. the second arc. Yeah, it's already there. Some great uh, Nick... Patera, is it covers? I forget. This guy, Patera, he's good. He's done some covers for him. Oof, delicious stuff. But a real um, nice southern vampire story where the stories are always kind of picked apart and maybe a little bit more is added on or something like that, a little forgotten things. And the sacrifices sometimes they are willing to make for each other. It's kind of interesting. It could be an HBO series, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, Obviously. it's... This is kind of the cute thing now that it no longer feels like people are doing their independent comic book series in hopes of selling it to HBO. Instead, it's just they're just, you know, doing something that's like an HBO show. It's like right, they're not right. actually trying to sell it to HBO. They're just doing something like an HBO show. Yeah, right. And that's what Redneck is. It's a very successful comic book. Yeah. Um, we'll see if they take the family anywhere interesting, if they get to develop the characters a little more, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, you know, things are not what they seemed like they were going to be a few issues ago, and we don't know where they're going, and it'll be interesting to see. I I, yeah. I hope, what are we, 12? I hope it only goes about 24. Yeah, right. I could go for a couple of more arcs to resolve yeah. the major plot points and to see if we come to any kind of resolution that's worth it, you know? Yeah. But uh, good stuff. Like, I'll always read the next issue of Redneck. Anyway. Yep. That's pretty hard to get me to do a 12. Now, the Dead Hand. Dead Let's Hand. see. Who was that by? I forget. Dead Hand. Dead it's, Hand. Uh, Dead Kyle Higgins wrote it. I know that. Yeah, we're familiar with him. And then uh, somebody named Mooney, Stephen Mooney, drew it. He's got the mainstream espionage style down yeah. path. I think he did a Military and Dinosaurs book we read a couple of years back, perhaps. He wrote and drew that, I think. I'm not sure. It's been a while. Mm. We'll keep talking oh. about it. I'll look it up. Yeah, no problem. Dead Hand. Uh, what, it's kind of like an espionage book about a secret community of Russians in the middle of America, or is it the other way around? It's the other way around. Surprise! <gasps> He did Half Past Danger. That's Remember it, that Half Past Danger. Book? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he can draw. He can draw. His art was better on that than it is on Dead Hand, though. Uh, he's not too bad on Dead Hand. He's you know not what, too bad on Dead Hand, but he's got those squat figures. Okay. And yeah, the, like the star on his face led me to believe. That's fucking so dumb. Like, I'm, I'm, well, that's what the communists would do, right? 
Well, well, no, it what? No, it wasn't what they did, Vernon. We would have found out by now in 2018 <laughs> that Soviet fucking super spies wore handkerchiefs with stars on their faces around while they there were on a mission. It, we would have found out by now. He's, Who he's would have bragged about? Victor's brother. Leave him alone. Um. So anyway, I mean, it's like some good surprises. Higgins is um. Usually as a co-writer, who I'm not actually going to look up right now because I've been doing that too much. Uh, he did uh, Hadrian's Wall, which we didn't finish, but we should have. He did... Uh, did that finish? How, okay. It did finish, right? Like, we talked about how it didn't finish. Nah, it finished, like, last Fuck. summer. Yeah, we just totally missed it. Uh, he did Cowl, which was uh, yeah. a book that could have gone somewhere and, and got canceled instead. Um, so he's got like some really interesting concepts with things. And so it's going to be cool to see what he does with that. Like he's an idea guy. Yeah. Higgins is okay. an idea guy with that hand. I, and, well, let's uh, hope Mr. Mooney can keep up with the deadlines. Yeah. On the hour. Let's hope. Now what's it? Who's that from? Image. Image. It's an image book. Yeah. Oh, fuck. All right. Here we go. Uh Oh, Snagglebus. All right, another – see, and there's another thing, a Slack editorial department just publishing a book without Why? any particular direction or vision to it that leads you to want to buy more issues, you know? And, and, and it's something that could sour your taste on comic books so significantly you might not come back to buy comic books. I mean, especially this label, right? Like, Hanna-Barbera has gone to – you know, we thought that the Garth Ennis one was – a. You know, that's, that's a, about as low as you could go. Right. No, it wasn't as low as you could go. <laughs> Instead, we're going to get to the point where we're just like, oh, Mark Russell. Yeah, he kind of fucks up, doesn't he? Like you are we're close to 100 percent on Flintstones. Yes. Like, all 12 issues. You liked every one of them. I had some problems with a few of them, including one I had a lot of problems with. So I was like at 85 percent. That's, still, I'll that's think so. still very good. <clears throat> so we're going to check out what he's doing, especially if it's, you know, something for Hanna-Barbera that's high concept, right? Because right. Flintstones was high concept and he pulled it off. Snagglepuss is theoretically high concept, but not really. Um, it's a story that for some reason they think it needs to be told and it's not very interesting. It's not an interesting – like – are we missing something about Snagglepuss? Like, what are we not getting? I, I don't, don't know. Like, but the, I mean, it's it's very sensational with all. Um, so Snagglepuss and Huckleberry Hound are gay writers in the McCarthy era, America, right? McCarthy era. So they got that going on. They also have the fact that they're cartoon animals. Uh, yeah, right. And, and they like, post this with humans, which hasn't been fully explained to me why yeah, that is. Like, and you're just like, is this a metaphor for something? Because right. it doesn't make any sense if it is. Right. You're, you're, you're scratching your head. If it's a metaphor, what is it a metaphor for? I it, wish I could understand. And it. you're like, this would be, at least this would be. Um, the drama of it would probably come through a lot better if it were people, I guess. It wouldn't be that much more interesting, 
But, or just make them all snaggle pusses. Right, or just make them all cartoon animals. Right, I think that would be more interesting. If you could pull that off, that would be a little bit more of a balance. But on this last one, they've got a new penciler, don't they? And he's not good. Oh. He didn't do a good job. No, I missed the last one. I, the uh, fourth one, I got about halfway through it. I was like, oh, that's it, I can't do yeah. it anymore. And in the fourth one, we meet Snagglepuss's wife, who I don't think we've ever met before. And maybe in the first issue, like, it is not a memorable book. And then it's got this shitty backup. Like, yeah, it's awful. It's visually. What is this fucking backup that they do? It's a Sasquatch detective or Officer Sasquatch. And it's like a comedy, a a short comedy strip with an original character interacting with DC characters. And it's just bad. It's not funny. No. No. You wonder, like, why they publish these comics sometimes. Like, there's no... We didn't used to wonder that about the Hanna-Barberas. At the first time, we were like, why the fuck are they doing this? And then we're like, holy shit, these are good. And then now we're just back to what the... Like, what happened? With the yeah, why direction they of this imprint, like yeah, well, yeah, why would they just even publish these books? They're not even very interesting or very funny, or there's and, nothing unique. Well, they're unique in their, I don't know, what do you call it? Ambiguity. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're you. It's unique in that. Look, we did a licensed title that just didn't have as good of a concept as we'd like to pretend it does, and. Let's Let just, me, just like rush it out. It. I don't get it. No, because you told me about this book last year. It took them yeah, it's true. Year, yeah, it, over it took a, a year to get it together. Did that was that because he had trouble writing it, or was it just because like it was shit? Uh, and probably they just, the rest of the line had 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 it had to catch up first. Uh, so uh, it was pretty rough. It's a rough haul. I don't know. There's one more to go. I'm sure you'll be a trooper and read it just to see if there's a payoff there. There's not, but yeah, I think there are two more to go, though. Um, all right, so did we talk about Fujitsu 5? I don't think we did. Uh, it's on now. one list, but not on the other. Fujitsu right, 5, yeah. let's just... Fujitsu finishes up. Uh, they'd really like people to buy it so they can do another volume. I know, yeah, they were very shameless in their... Uh, uh, their- you know, it works out. It's pretty good. So, you know, if you like... Um, a well-staged adventure. Yeah, well-staged adventure. Um, uh, get yourself it, it, some Fujitsu. Human mutant cyborg yeah. relationships. And it's humorous, too. Yeah, and it's funny, you know. Uh, yeah, get get Fujitsu. Um, yeah. yeah, we liked it. Yeah. And uh, let's see. So, uh, uh, I, I'm not a... I hate... Fairyland person. And neither I am I. Not anymore. I'm done. I'm Jesus. fucking done. Don't be so, that guy. <clears throat> what is it? Issue 17? Something and then like I figured that. out I didn't read 15. I missed 15. Much like I missed Punk's Not Dead 3. Only at least I'm finding out about it now and not six oh, months later. Man. But anyway, so I read 15, 16, and 17. Now... It's not a spoiler anymore because the collection's out, but it ends with the last trade ends with Gert, the protagonist, getting killed. Really? After all these issues of her surviving. surviving, And now in 16 and 17, we find out it's because of the devil, because of Satan in hell. And he's a funny Satan. 
And he oh. makes deals with the witches in Fairyland. And, oh, there's this whole thing about package delivery in Fairyland. And how does that work? Yes, it's issue 16 or 17, and we're getting into the, you know, humorous logistics of Fairyland. Like, who gives a shit? Like... This is a book that Scotty Young was like, I don't like doing arcs with this book, so I'm just going to do done in ones. It's going to be fun. I'm going to do that. I think he ran out of like, I don't like doing done in ones anymore, but I'm going to keep going because the trades sell. Because like when it's on, it's great. When it's off, apparently it's really not great. And we are three <laughs> issues of it being really not great. And ouch. Ouch. I'm That's done. fine. I'm done with Fairyland. Yeah, you're not going to make it to the next trade. Sorry. No, maybe someday I'll do the next trade. But, like, we're going to have to get to the point where my reading habits change. So, yeah. Um, nope. I hate Fairyland. I'm out. What's you were very Isola? patient, man. I was, I, it was good for a long time. What's Isola? Yeah, Tell me about Isola. Isola, Osola. It's a, a couple of creators. Uh, is it uh, Brendan Flesher and Carl Kershaw? It looks like they've kind of discovered Miyazaki films. Um, it's a, a portion of adventure in the first issue about a uh, queen and her guardian. And as they make their way across this kind of, I don't know, semi-magical maybe landscape, uh, it reads pretty much like an animated film. It's all very pretty and well-drawn and everything. If you like such things, I think you'll be entertained by it. Um, I'll give it another issue and see how it goes. I mean, it's a very pretty project. I'll give it that. We'll see if it goes anywhere. Top potatoes. All right. And we haven't right, talked about that. Uh, the final uh, issue of War Story. Final... So did you finish off all right? Yeah, he does. Fucking yeah. Garth Ennis made me cry again. He oh, made me man. cry... With He'll the fucking that. Punisher. And now, really and now he makes me cry with war stories. And oh, it's 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 a romantic melodrama. Like it's hard it's a technicolor fifties fucking melodrama. Like wow. he, yeah, he pulls it off. Thomas Area does a good job. It's you know, hopefully Avatar can get these out in trade or something, but yep, war stories, and it's you know, he took it he, War Stories was a kind of rough 24 issues because for most of those issues, he was clearly not giving it his all. Right. And the artist was developing, we'll say. You know, he was working on his craft. And the budget on the book got really tight. Too. The budget, yeah. And he was working on his craft by listening to me and Vern, I'll point out. He actually said that on the post. He commented and said, thanks us for helping, even though we were probably We fed not, him some criticism. We fed him some uh, re, uh, good criticism that he has incorporated. And he was like, because my friends don't read war stories, so nobody's been talking to me about it. Uh, so anyway. Uh, bills, dude, I get it. So yeah, I mean it's uh, it worked out really well actually. The last two, it's like Ennis can't do the three issue. Like his war comics have got to be the four. Yeah, and it's like it, with somebody like Ennis who's written how many war arcs at this point? Like what thirty? Yeah, stories. 
Like, you can tell what he needs and what kind of space he needs to get it down. And he needs four last two uh, arcs of War Stories with four issue ser- uh, arcs. And it works out. Sweet. Yeah. He likes that extra measured pace. He needs it, man. It's, uh, yeah. War Stories is, yeah. I'll have to find those. If I get a chance, I'll buy those things. Yeah. Hopefully there'll be well, trades or nice collections or something. All yeah, right. we don't we don't want those to fade. All right, Thrawn. Star Wars fans rejoice. Vernon has actually read a fucking Star Wars comic. And he's kept up with it, everybody. Yeah, three issues in. Now, what happened to Thrawn in issue three? I yeah, mean, I, it's I weird. Get all the, I get all the plot and everything, but Thrawn's not there. Barely, he's not there. You know? Is this a six-issue series? I, I imagine it is, something like that. They, and they really shouldn't have blown issue three on this person who's going to be a supporting character in the future. Like, they blow this issue introducing a female diplomat who's going to be an imperial officer or something that works well, with Well, she's foreshadowing in the beginning. She's already an officer the ship he's on, right? No, no. No, she, okay. I don't think so. What? Is it? Thrawn's yeah, not think, a flashback, is it? No, because it starts with them finding him on the planet. Right. Yeah. But she is, isn't she the one that's the... Uh, Captain of the ship at the uh, beginning, no? Nah, different woman, okay. Different woman, I think. All right. Well, anyway, I like it. I think it's I mean, kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's like a good sci-fi story. Like, it yeah. works, yeah. But it's just like... Very good artwork, too, by Luke Ross. He, yeah. like, captures it all and does his good, uh, good, good job doing it. Yeah. So, Star Wars. Burns reading some Star Wars, everybody. Oh, go read a Star Wars comic. <laughs> Yeah, because you did, you haven't read you read some of these uh, the Marvel Star Wars at least you you at least not too many I never cared did. for it. well right but you actually read it once they started publishing it it was the Dark Horse ones you never read a single fucking one yeah the the Dark Horse I I, I don't know not too many of Crimson those. Empire Crimson Empire Paul Crimson Empire, yeah, yeah. And, and it was all the one where um shit where the great 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 grandson of Luke. Had the Sith, I remember that. Leo Dorona drew it, mm. and I liked it because he did it with a Sith chick, and that was cool. I was like, okay, I could get into the Star Wars. <laughs> well, anyway, Thrawn not as not as juicy, but good nonetheless. Yeah. So what's going on with Damned? I sold out the latest issue, damn it. So how 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 did it how did it work? So Dan, uh, Dan's back. That was big news nine months ago or whatever. Right. Um, as an ongoing. So if you don't know, Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt, their first collaboration was this uh, three or four issue series for Oni called Damned. And it was really good. Really, really good. Really, really good. We hadn't seen anything fucking like, I mean, like Brian Hurt had been on uh, Hard Time for DC and DC fucked that up and Steve Gerber wrote it. And you're just like, who is this Brian hurt guy? He's fucking awesome. Yep. Damned. It's Brian hurt. It's fucking awesome. Period piece. Demons, just beautiful mix of everything. Gangsters. Gangsters. Then damn two. Not as successful. What brings that brother to the protagonist in? And it's like a three-issue arc, I think it is. Yeah, not as successful. And then they do Six Gun, which I still need to read, but 
it's it's good, right? Like six guns. You, yeah, you'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. you'll. you'll I mean, I read it. the first two trades yeah. worth. I read at least the first sixteen issues. It kind of reads like mythic, uh, mythic uh, literature. You know what yeah. I mean? So I mean, and now they're back with Dan. In between, somebody made a pilot for six gun and it didn't get picked up. Isn't that sad? Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so they were going to be rich for a second and then weren't. Uh, but so damned comes back. We've got a fucking great five issue series, right? It's five. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's outstanding. Like it's yeah, everything we yeah, wish. The lady was just tough. Oh, so good. And then they reprinted the second limited series. Well, they incorporated it within the framework. And got it's it. a reprint with recolor. Okay. Like yeah, how many people? God. How many people saw it? That's fine. That's fine. But I'm like reading it and I'm just like, huh, this is all right. And you're like, what is this? Right, and then Bert's right. like, it's just a fucking reprint, man. And I was like, no, it can't just be a reprint. So then I'm like, well, how differently does this read feeling like it's in an ongoing? Like, okay, so we're going to introduce the brother. We've got, you know, these char- these plot developments. We're going to bring it in. That's where Dam's going. Like, Okay, and it's going to incorporate right. stuff from the first uh, storyline, and that's where we're going to go. Nah, it this nine yeah. starts off a prequel really? to the whole series before Eddie's damned. Oh my! So it goes way way back. To it the goes beginning. way back. Mom is still alive. Brothers, there they've got their sidekicks who are you know fucking things up. Everybody who Eddie knows can't see demons yet. Like only he and his brother, like it's fucking different. And so like, we'll see how it goes. You know, the art's going to be great, uh, but we will, you know, it's, it's not what I was expecting. No, not at all. Damn. I have to read that. Yeah. I got a couple of copies coming in. I'm definitely going to take a look at it. Ooh, Lazarus 27. That one kind of threw me for a loop. Um, that has been uh, replaced here. by little mini series by Ruko featuring the Lazari and then the little informational pamphlets. But this is the actual only issue of Lazarus that's come out in like what over a, a year, year, two years. I don't a know. Year. Uh, yeah, they've had like source books or something. I can't get into that. Um, uh, the the minutia of the dystopian future is not my thing. Uh, my thing is Michael Lark. Michael Lark is back, and he can make fishing people look interesting. He can make fishing pe- people, people of the future, look interesting. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're not really doing a sequel to the book. You're doing a fill-in. It's got the same artist, oh, and right? It's, and it's that's as I had some issues with that too. I bet you did. Yeah, I said to myself, "Well, it's a decent enough story, but it's not the one we need to lead off with." No, it's not. It's it's fill. It's weird filler. You know, like it's like this is the kind of thing that Mike Perkins should be drawn. Right, right, right. He could do the the four issue fill-ins with that. He does the fill-ins, you know, they didn't want to do that. So, I mean, it's like they're taking it seriously because they got, they're, they're, you know, making Lark do it. Uh, Right. And not only that, but they put the family on the line because they um, gamble a lot to keep his discovery a secret. Yeah. You know, and, uh, 
you know it's all going to turn to shit. I mean, that's how it works in this world. Yeah. But then uh, the format is changing. With, I think, 29, it's going to go to, like, a 64-page thing where all that source book material is going to be integrated into the back or something. Well, that's how they want to do it. Yeah, I hope it doesn't so, charge too much more money for it. I know. If they go up a dollar, that's one thing, but they'll I mean, be charging me five ninety nine. Yeah, so Lazarus is back. It's pretty good. Who knows what the fuck's going to go on with it. You bet uh, it has any fucking Lazarus in it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially not. Well, the other thing is it jumps forward like three years. Which means that little fucking girl Lazarus clone is going to be grown up and shit. Like, well, and uh, the fact that he was rescued—I mean, we didn't know that until now. He could have yeah. died, even though he was "quote unquote" rescued. He could have died in it. We never knew that. So, we'll see. But the whole idea of him like betting down with the fish people—I don't know. I, uh... Whatever. We'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see. All right. Honestly. Last we got one, one more. Barbarella. Barbarella. Did you Is read four? Just easy Did you to, read yeah, I read four? The one that you didn't five. want to read it. You didn't want to read it because of the art. You read, read it. It. Read it. It was fucking it. good, I, wasn't it, Vernon? You don't like the art. I don't much. care if you don't like the artist. It was good. It was yes. Good issue. Yes, it was. Oh, it was a it was very good done in one. A very rare thing in comic books. But it's a done in one, of course, that like is in direct is uh, consecutive to the first arc and leads into the second arc. That's starting that's right. at five. It's so nice. Who writes this? Mike Carey. Oh, look at Mike Carey. Mike Carey. Yeah, so it's just, it's a, it's a good fucking comic, man. It's like, fun to read this it's thing. Fun. I mean, Bar- uh, she's <sighs> sexy, but not sexist. Because she's really got the mm-hmm. pull of everything. Well, now, I mean, I'm reading. Uh, Love and Rockets, so it's like you, you oh, can yeah, see that's a little good. bit of Luba in how yeah. Barbarella functions. Got yeah. some Beto influences in there, yeah, bouncing around, right? Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. Barbarella, uh, cliffhanger in five. Like we gotta bring. I love six. the inbred uh, space hillbilly prospector. She has to face oh, off God. against. It's so funny, <laughs> like, it, and it's like it feels like a. Well, especially that because that feels like a. 2000 AD story, like those it does. It feels very European, and, but it, it feels like Europeans doing 2000 AD riffs. Yeah, like but it's really good though. Really good, and um, yeah, and she's got the adorable dog that we don't that we all wish she wishes it were sentient, but it's not, and we all not wish it were sentient fun. too because it's so cute. <laughs> He fools people of things she wants repeated. She knows how to save them yeah. just at the right point, you know. Send me a dog. So good. Yeah, it's fun to read this, and I love the uh, – I didn't like the artwork on 4, I, I must admit it. But the story itself was very good, though. And this guy who's like a great lover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Barbara Ellis sure is a pause that refreshes. If you – if you just like enjoy like good, well written, humorous adventure science fiction comics, that's a good one. And that's dynamite, right? Yeah, they actually one they put out one book, man. <laughs> one fucking book. Alright. A lot of publishers only put out one book. 
They obviously put out more books, but we don't know what they We don't read them, right? Right, that's true. We don't talk Ever about them. Ever since they lost Ennis, we don't have to worry about Dynamite. All right, so current trades. I've only... I'm only familiar with like two and a half of these, three of these, so but yeah. not familiar enough to talk about them. So go burn. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Lone Sloan came out. It's called Gale. It's a hardcover. Um, it features the master of early like French hurling art, which would later be reprinted in Heavy Metal magazine here in America. Um, I'm probably ruining his name, Philippe Druyer. He was definitely a drug-inspired artist, but he did these great, like, science fiction trippy strips with, like, really odd palettes of color that were very, like, psychedelic and yet at the same time conveyed, like, great science fiction stories. And uh, if you're a fan of, like, drug-induced hippie science fiction, this is a definite one to look for. This is uh, Lone Sloan. That's Sloan with S-L-O-A-N-E by Philip Druyer. Good stuff. Read it when I was in high school. Can't blame you. Reefer Madness, man. Craig Yo, uh, the guy at IDW that digs up like all these public domain stories. He's got a themed one on uh, probably. I, I'm going to bet that most of the people who do stories in Reefer Madness are not familiar with the products that they're uh, writing or depicting on there. So this is a collection of strips from the golden age of comics on the effects of marijuana on normal people. Uh, lots of fun. Good parody. X-Men Grand Design. You've read that one, Ed. I've read this one. Here we go. Grand Design 1 and 2 collected. Yeah, in one big freaking hardcover for $30. For three times as much as the trades would have, or the single issues would have cost you. Oh, the single issues would have set you back 12 bucks, And uh, you'd like those more probably. But they're, they're nice big, but Jesus, $30. Yeah. Um, and the issue four, three is no longer going to be issue three. It's going to be X-Men Grand Design subtitle issue one. Oh. So, yeah. Ooh. Well, then this won't even be the final compilation then. No. They want to do $30 compliment, comp, comp, shit, Vern, compilations of two (laughs) issues a time. So they're going to go, Yeah. Well, it's too bad that the source material is so good to read. I mean, I can't recommend these hardcovers to you, but I can recommend you go find what issue one and two, pay twelve bucks for them, and you get a pretty good X Men read. Their history, you know. Poor Ed Pisker. Yeah. <laughs> they do have a reprint of X Men One in there too. Recolored by Ed Pisker, if you're yeah. So yeah, if that if that works for you, yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of an upside down, but uh, Marvel, they tackle another one. I uh, I got nostalgic, so I read the uh, Epic Collection Volume 1 of Master of Kung Fu, uh, who with the Steve Englehart and uh, Jim Starlin, and then later on Doug Munch would take it over, and he would get a number of pretty good artists at Marvel on there who were into Eastern uh, art form, how to do like Kung Fu and all that, and in, uh, eventually you see Paul Gullisey come in there and he takes over. He he does rather sporadic artwork, though. He doesn't work on as many issues as I remembered, so you have to put uh, up a lot of other guys. Perhaps a few too many uh, Keith Pollards with Sal Trapini inks for me. But um, <laughs> and uh, but it's a good volume, and it really uh, it has the spirit of the like early 70s and mid-70s Marvel in there. And Shang-Chi is like 
a product of the uh, fascination of Jim Lee and Kung Fu and how they reflected in comics. And he's the son of Fu Manchu and he now has to fight him and all that stuff. And they're very simple things, but they work out fine. They're, I don't know. I, I hate to sound like an old fart, but they're still better than a lot of comics. And they're produced with a lot of love from the people who do them, which you can't say exists in a lot of books today. Uh, right. When Gullacy comes on, though, that's when you get some really sweet results. Jim Starlin had good luck on the earlier issues, but later on, Paul Gullacy made it his own. And he draws some of the prettiest deadly women in comics, and they're just, like, great to look at, as well as, like, be killed by. But uh, a good volume. I mean, a nice one to read. If you are if you have a propensity to such things, uh, Master of Kung Fu is your book, I'm telling you, man. I'm still pouring over that uh, Fourth World Omnibus, man. I'm happy to say that I'm almost halfway through it now. Nice. And it's still holding up wonderfully, and Kirby's uh, interior logic still just keeps me driving through it. And uh, I haven't had any real problems with the book, you know? I mean... Uh, it was written in the 70s, and uh, I haven't got to the Hunger Dogs. Maybe that's when we hit a hiccup. I don't know. But so far, this stuff has just been just right on, you know. Pretty good stuff. Who needs drugs when you got Jack Kirby's Fourth World Omnibus? And, man, here's another one, you poor guy. You haven't read, so I'm still talking. Dave Sheridan, um, not with us anymore, but a great artist in the underground comic book scene, uh, perhaps most well-known as one of Gilbert Shelton's uh, big ink collaborators on the fabulous Free Freak Brothers. Um, I think it's Fanographics has a book on Dave Sheridan now called Dealer McDope, Leather Nun, and the Freak Brothers. And um, Dealer McDope and Leather Nun were strictly his creations. And uh, David Sheridan was a very different kind of guy in that he really understood line work and illustrative sense. And he could do like a lot of really rich textured ink drawings and it showed up in all of his stuff. Uh, the leather nuns, I think were very impressionistic to me as a young man. Uh, <laughs> and they were just some really outrageous outward, uh, I would call that outward there, uh, undergrounds that were beautifully drawn and, uh, his collaboration with, uh, um, Freak Brothers, uh, Gilbert Shelton, can't be underestimated. Those two guys were at the peak of their powers together. And this is a nice tune that brings back a lot of Dave Sheridan's artwork and what he did and his biography and stuff. And this is really worth it to anybody who's really into this stuff. It's got great stuff in there and easily worth your time. Sniff. <laughs> great shit, man. Right. I love underground hippie comics, man. They, they saved my ass out after high school. After Superman and Spider-Man were no longer cool, you could always get into Spain or Robert Crumb. You know, I was looking at some old Dell four colors from the 50s of, like, Bigfoot cartoon animals that I picked up out of somebody's collection. And one of them, I'm not sure if it's a little iodine or something else, but I looked inside, and you could tell that Robert Crumb had seen the same comic as a kid, and his line work was influenced by this person. <laughs> you know, and I have to look this up, but I'm like looking at this, and I go, "Wow, the head, the handling of the head, and the walking." I go, "Robert Crumb was here. You could just see this in here, you know." And I'm like, "Wow, that really uh, it touched me that he's uniquely American in that aspect." So I don't know. I have to look that up. Maybe next time we chat, and I'll have that for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
Alex Sinner. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. Alex Sinner. I didn't have that on there. They just published that one out. The second, uh, but this be the second, the last, right? Yeah. I think there are only two of them. Um, volume two, The Age of Disenchantment. Um, Jose Munoz, Munoz and uh, who's our artist? Carlos Sampio. Carlos Sampio. Yeah. Sampoio. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are uh, South American uh, creators, and they did this strip. Alex Sinner, who's a detective in New York City and a very noirish yet expressionistic type of things, very Peter Max a little bit away if you could throw him in there. He's not nearly as good as uh, Sam Poyo is. Uh, these things are just like musical symphonies of the eye when you're looking at them and all the little details and the eccentric uh, liberties he takes with the figures and how they play in the light and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Sempoyo is really wild. And Munoz just does it with all the poetry and love uh, of the characters that are just in every panel. It's great stuff. Truly masterful. And we got to find us some copies and read them. I know, right? Like the first one. Ah, yeah. I don't know. Does like uh, can you find those? Are they out there, or do they want too much money for them? Um. Well, the the first ones. The first ones out there. Yeah, it's still in stock online, but um, second ones are retailer exclusive for at least a month because apparently IDW isn't complete dicks. Oh, too bad. Sorry. That's fine. Huh. I always got mad at some of those publishers. Like to this day, it was the Overstreet guy that does the prices and shit. They'll hold on to their books later and later, and they'll be at more conventions selling them to people all over the United States, eliminating like distributors and guys like me and just selling them straight to the people at the shows because they have them first. Yeah. It's always poopy, you know? I never liked that. But we had some good comics this week. I mean, there's yeah, some nice did. stuff out there. Hopefully, there's yeah. they'll get more of it. You know, like I don't know. There's really nothing at Marvel that tickles my pink at all. Uh, well, you were telling me about Avengers number one. What? what who's on that? Avengers. What was that? That was uh, who's their dude? Is it Al Ewing? No. Is it Jason Aaron? Jason Aaron, yeah, Jason mm. Aaron. But it's got Ed McGinnis on artwork. Oh, Jesus Christ, no. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, like, it doesn't have any credibility with Ed McGinnis on the artwork. Is Ed McGinnis on the fucking artwork, please. He's been ruining prestige titles since 1998. He's given up backgrounds, and he'll be on the book <sighs> for two issues, and then he'll start blowing deadlines, and... Marvel has to have their books come out at least twice a month here and there, so they'll have fill-in groups of artists, and we'll be back to where we were again. They really have no fucking idea on how to publish comic books these days. No. It's really fucking bad. Ed fucking McGinnis. It's just like, who are you Who are you selling this book to with Ed McGinnis? Yeah, he's like, you know, I don't know, big puffy dude, like steroid mm-hmm. people. And are they really supposed to look like that? I don't know. Maybe they're, I don't know. Whatever. I know. I look at it and I'm like, eh. eh. Uh, I feel like an old fart, but eh. They sure as shit aren't going to look like they look in the movie, so you're not going to pick up uh, readers that are interested in the uh, movies. Pretty much. 
I, I just wish that they would just do comics that would get like comic people excited about things. Well, I mean, maybe Ed McGinnis gets like six people excited about things. Well, that's not as many readers as I have on Avengers now. <laughs> well, I had to add a couple more then to keep it up there, I guess. Uh, uh, so media. We're going media. to talk about, we're going to check in on media. Well, we were talking about the CW shows and which one of us that we're, we're keeping up with Supergirl and we're almost keeping up with The Flash. But we both fell behind with Black Lightning. Yep, pretty much. And I hate to see there's like a, with the CW shows, they've got a pattern now. Like they introduce you in the universe and they put at least eight or ten characters out there and they really slam them out there in a pretty good amount. And I think it's, for me, it was kind of overwhelming on Black Lightning. I kind of liked him and his wife and his, like, two kids. But now it's all very complicated into another, like, scheme. And now his two daughters have superpowers. And other people in the neighborhood have it because they were exposed to the same thing in the water that he was as a kid. And I'm like, okay, but now everybody's got superpowers. That's almost, like, too many. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm just a simpleton, I guess. I don't know. I just... I figured I'll catch up over the summer. Yeah, there you go. Well, I, I like the Supergirl and the Flash stuff. I still keep up with those. Mm. And the... Uh, what the, There was that show you turned me on to, the uh, D- Heroes of the DC Universe or whatever Legends. it was. Legends, yeah. Legends ended yeah. up. Legends ended. That was cool. Yeah, I Legends never thought that. I'd be looking forward to Constantine being a weekly thing, but that sounds cool. Yeah, he could be a good guest star. He's fine with that. But he really should pull that fucking tie up. <laughs> That's all he's yeah. got. Yeah, just pull up the tie. The Netflix uh, stuff has been up or down. Jessica was all right. Finished weird for me. Had enough in it to, to watch it, but I didn't like how they ended it. Yeah. It what, needed next another episode, but whatever. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, at least. Yeah, you're right. It did need another one. They could have just cut back on Mom. Well, they needed to take this. Uh, if they want to set up the next season, they got to take that seriously. Otherwise, don't fucking bother with it, you know? like Yeah, you can't have the ending and then have, like, the little teasers at right. the end, right? Oh, it's it's all back to normal in Jessica's world or something, you know? That poor... Uh, it got renewed for season three, which basically means her boyfriend and his kid are fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. She always... Everything's what going, are they going to do? It all goes to shit. That's right. the point. Yeah. That's why that's, she needs Luke Cage. He's indestructible. Like... Well, and the funny thing is that we never... You know, in the comic, they've been married for years, and I tell people what work that you know who come in for comics they're like what they're married and i'm like yeah for years they have like a four-year-old or three-year-old now and they're like wow and 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 what the black panther i go those are based on comic books in high school i read and people are like what like in the 70s i'm like well yeah i said you guys are like years behind us although not so much anymore you know yeah uh so next up luke cage in june yeah. And probably Punisher by the end of the year and maybe Daredevil by the end of the year. Ew. Okay. And Iron Fist is coming back, Vern. Shit. Uh, 
Burn watched all of Iron Fist. Did you make your did. wife watch all of that show? Oh, Colleen Wing is pretty good. You're a Iron Fist is a dipshit, though. Bastard. He went into, like, cage fighting and beat up these two Russians, and I was sold. Should be named after her, Colleen Wing and Iron <sighs> Fist. <laughs> are you going to go see the new Avengers film? All my all my customers are digging it. I don't oh, know. there's a chance. I don't yeah, know. I can't build any enthusiasm towards it. I don't, have any, I don't have any real enthusiasm, so yeah. I don't know. I'd rather go see Deadpool. I like smart-ass humor. It's just the mm. weakness of mine. And Ryan Reynolds is like... He's the, uh, what? He's got Deadpool sewn up just like what's-his-name-has Tony Stark sewn up. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. You know, might as well milk it. Yeah. Whatever. Indeed. All right. Are you ready? Are we ready? I am ready. Yeah. So, thanks for listening. I I know we calmed down a bit at the end there just because... Yeah. 75 minutes of comics is a lot of comics. Ooh. Come on, you pansies. If you can't handle 75 minutes, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah, so we'll read some more comics and we'll be back and, you know. Yeah. I think so. I think mm. we will. Well, good night, y'all. Night, everybody. <laughs>